Ricardo, but his family with him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Without any further delays, Brother Prado is no stranger here to the Northwest, to Cornerstone. Let's put our hands together unto the Lord as he comes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise. Oh, come on. Let's praise him. He is worthy. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, we praise you. Amen. So good to be here with you this morning. Good to have my family with me. Praise God, they normally don't come with me, but this time we were able to uh, swing it, and uh, we're so glad that um, to be here in the great Northwest, amen? Love and appreciate the Mayo family, love and appreciate Cornerstone, great church, amen? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you're in the church today? If you have your Bibles, the book of Psalms, chapter 27. I have to be very honest with you. I I feel like I'm preaching to a very um, small crowd. Uh, I am not sure that this message will necessarily resonate with everyone immediately. It may resonate with you sometime after today, but um, I feel like there's somebody here today that God really wants to talk to, and um, I just I want to be obedient to God. I could I could preach to you a thousand sermons, but. Uh, I want to give you a word from the Lord. And, uh, I do feel that the subject matter is not only pertinent, but it's important and it's timely and it's what somebody, somebody needs to hear today. So with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to have God minister to somebody. Amen. Psalms 27, verse number 10. Say amen when you have it. The Bible says, when my father... And my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Then the Lord will take me up. And I want to preach to you on this very simple subject, take me up. Can we say that together? Take me up. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. I pray, God, that in these next few moments, you would minister through me, speak to your people. God, I pray that today somebody would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have spoken directly to them because you love them and you care for them. Help them not just to hear, but to take action, to move on this word. In Jesus' name, and someone shout, amen. Let's give the Lord one more good hand clap of praise before we're seated. Take your neighbor's hand and tell him the Lord loves you. You may be seated. In this morning's psalm, and in particular this verse, it is not certain whether David is referencing his biological parents. 
In Bible times, it was very common to call anybody of a social, religious, or even familiar status your father and mother. Timothy referred, Paul referred to Timothy as his son in the faith or his son in the gospel. Elijah and Elisha called each other father and son. And so these terms are thrown around uh, with a little bit more liberty than we might today. What is certain, however, is that David has come to the realization that people can be abandoned by those that are closest to them. David, by some means or another, has come to the realization that even the most intimate friends or family can and will sometimes leave you. This is hurtful. This is hurtful. It hurts when people that are related to you or that are close to you leave. That hurts. And if abandonment is severe enough, that hurt can actually come to affect all three fields of the human life, the body, the soul, and the spirit. What is even more hurtful, however, is when people who have abandoned us are replaced by people who hate us. It's one thing to be left and left alone. It's another thing when those slots get filled by people who want to harm you. Throughout this entire psalm, in fact, David tells us that not only has he been abandoned by family, he is now surrounded by enemies. These two conditions are not the same. One can't exist without the other. But it is brutal when they both take place in a person's life. It is brutal when people we love leave us and then people who hate us replace them. And this does happen. It happens to you. It happens to me. It happened all throughout the Bible. 2 Timothy 4 and 16, the Apostle Paul says these words, All men forsook me, but the Lord stood with me. A few verses before, Paul tells us that not only was he abandoned, he was surrounded as well. He even addresses one of the men by name, Alexander, a coppersmith who Paul says, did me much evil. A few verses later, he says that he was trusting in the Lord to deliver him from every evil work. Paul was not just left without friends, he was now surrounded by enemies. Perhaps the most classic example of this, one that we would all be familiar with, is that of the Lord Jesus. Jesus, as we all know, moments before being crucified, was almost entirely abandoned by everyone who was close to him at one time. His disciples not only betrayed him, they departed from him. His family forsook him. At one point in the Gospels, they say, to Jesus, thy family is without wanting to speak with thee. But even worse than that, not only was he left by his disciples and by his family and by his relatives, he was at Calvary surrounded by his enemies. 
And this is not some small, inconsequential detail. In fact, it is such a big deal that the Holy Ghost, 900 years prior to the death of Christ, prophesies through David about Calvary and says in Psalms 22, I was surrounded by bulls and I was surrounded by dogs and I was surrounded by the assembly of the wicked. Not only did the Holy Ghost show David that Christ would hang on the cross by himself, but he would be surrounded by enemies. He would be surrounded by the bulls of Bashan, as he calls them, and dogs in the assembly of the wicked. The friends left, the family left, and in came the scoffers, the mockers, the enemies. This happens. What David, Paul, and Jesus teach us this morning is that when a person is abandoned and surrounded, God will not fail them. <clears throat> As David so eloquently put it, he will take us up. He will take us up. I preached this message just a few weeks ago at our local church, and a young lady came to the altar, and she began to weep and to cry. She had been to our church only two times before. I had only had a few conversations with her. But in this particular conversation at the altar, as she stood there weeping, she said, Pastor Prado, she said, I lied to you last week. I lied to you about what school I go to. I lied to you about where I live. And I lied to you about several other things. And she said, but please listen to me. I did not do it to disrespect you. I did not do it to be dishonest. She said the last high school I was going to, she said I got into, into a lot of trouble with a lot of the kids. And a lot of them wanted to hurt me. She said, in fact, if they knew where I was at right now, they would be here to hurt me right now. She said, I didn't want to bring any kind of attention to the church or any kind of attention to myself. This really does happen. People really do get themselves in trouble. People really do get left by friends and family and surrounded by enemies. Sometimes it's just gossip. Sometimes you just have the misfortune of falling in the gossip pit. Other times it can be very real. Other times you have people that as they're trying to make their way out of the world. And then there are some people that are not so ready to let them go. There are folks that come out of the game and folks are just not quite ready to let them come out of the game. The little, little, without, with, without little knowledge to them, they thought that maybe they were just getting deeper into something, not realizing that they were being surrounded by enemies, people who were ready to snatch their soul and their life if they could. There are people who perhaps here, amen, might be going through some of these very same things, amen. But I came to let you know that if you put your trust in God, he will take you up out of those situations. Oh, come on, somebody. I know I'm not preaching to everybody, but I know I'm preaching to somebody. I know when God gave me a word for... Oh, let's magnify Jesus here for a few seconds. I feel something special here right now. Come on, Cornerstone. God is going to minister profoundly to somebody. Oh, come on. There's a moving of the Holy Ghost here right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands just for a second? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Oh, God, I praise you. Oh, God, I praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I want you to look at your neighbor and say, God will take you up. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, God will take you up. When God takes you up, when God takes you up, there are some things we need to remember. Number one, when God takes you up, you will see things from a higher perspective. I said, when God takes you up, you will see things from a higher perspective. I know some folks don't know what I'm preaching about, but other folks know what I'm preaching about. Other folks know what it is to be forsaken and then surrounded and then have God take you up. And you're able to say, you know what? Everybody that turned on me is not my enemy. And I don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities that try to destroy me. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of people that actually carried out the pain and the punishment. But I see now that there was a devil trying to steal my soul. But God took me up, and God delivered me. And I'm here on the pew today, and I'm not bitter. I'm better, and I'm not mad. I'm not bitter. I'm better. I'm not, I'm not who I used to be because God took me up. I'm not who I used to be. Oh, come on, let's praise God. Is anybody glad for a higher view of things? Is anybody glad? Oh, come on. I feel something wonderful in the house right now. Come on. This is no little deal that you made it out of that situation. Not bitter. Not destroyed. Not angry. Not twisted. Not fractured. Not broken. But here you are on the pew with your hands in the air. Nobody thought you would have made it. Nobody thought you would have survived. Your enemies had encamped round about you. The dogs were barking. The bulls had their horns out. And the assembly of the wicked was cheering on your destruction. But here you are, washed in the blood of Jesus. Pray in God. Here you are. You ain't mad at your old dope dealer. You're not mad at your ex-husband. You ain't mad at the parents that left you. You ain't mad at the foster parents. You ain't mad at the adoption agency. You're here in the blood of Jesus. Here in the will of God. Here in the people. Here in the people of God. Worshiping, praising, magnifying. Oh, come on. Oh, let's magnify him. Let's magnify him. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a Bible study last week. Uh, elderly gentleman. And uh, we had another man come into the Bible study. And... Uh, <laughs> Probably one of the most profound Bible studies I've ever had in my life. And uh, these were two elderly African-American men. And I've been teaching one of Bible study now for some time. But uh, Mr. Johnson came in. And uh, this neighborhood's kind of rough. But uh, Mr. Johnson has joined us twice now for Bible study. But we got, we got to talking about uh, the divided kingdom, how... How Israel became divided. And uh, we started talking about how one of Solomon's sons uh, really provoked uh, a horrible situation because he insisted on being hard and embittered and rigid. 
And Mr. Johnson got up. He said, you know, when I was a young man, he said, I, he said, I grew up in Gary, Indiana. I said, I know Gary, Indiana really well. I said, I, I spent several months out in Gary. And he said, yeah, I, I grew up in Gary. He said, and I'll never forget as a young man, he said, there was one particular, he's, he's an older guy. Mr. Johnson's probably in his 80s now. He said, I'll never forget one year, I had three friends that were lynched by the Klan. He said, I was mad. He said, and uh, Malcolm X and Elijah Muhammad were, were doing a, a rally there in Geary. He said, Malcolm used to come to Geary all the time. And if you don't know who Malcolm X was, Google it. And he said, Malcolm used to come to Geary all the time. He said, and so I decided to go to one of the Malcolm rallies. He said, you ain't never heard nobody talk like Malcolm. He said, but as I sat there in the chair, he said, I knew that if I kept listening to Malcolm, I was going to get in trouble. He said, and he said, and those of us in Gary were trying to determine whether we were going to adhere to the teachings of Dr. Martin Luther King, which were, of course, more biblical, or to the teachings of the nation of Islam. He said, and I was, my, my mother told me, don't you go listen to that man. But I went anyways. He said, as I sat there and I listened to Malcolm preach, he said, this thought came to my mind. He said, this can't be God's religion because he's preaching everything I want. I want to hurt somebody. I want revenge. I want to take out my anger. I want to settle the score. I want to hurt somebody. He said, I got up off that chair while Malcolm was preaching. He said, and I walked down the street to the church. He said, I sat down in the pew and I gave my life to Jesus. I'm, I'm preaching to somebody. Oh, we all know what it is. Give up the world and give up your old clothes and give up your old CD. But what do you do when God says, I'm going to lift you a little bit higher and I'm going to challenge you to let go of your bitterness, let go of your anger, let go of your revenge, let go of your... Come on, somebody. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to somebody. I know... I know you think you're just here because somebody invited you. God came to talk to you. God wants. I'm preaching to somebody that came into the church upset. You came mad. You want to hurt somebody. You want to execute revenge. I came to let you know in the name of the Lord. Uh, that's everything you want. But God wants to give you something that you may not want, but it's something you need. You need to forgive. You need to let go. That bitterness is going to eat you up. That hatred is going to destroy you. That nasty spirit's going to take you down. You may get to knock out their lights, but it's going to knock you out in the end. You may get to exact revenge, but it's going to destroy you in the end. God came here to, God sent me here to tell you, don't do it. Turn around. Forsake your, oh, come on. For, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, do you want God to take you higher? Do you? There are people here, God is trying to take you up. But I am, I am saddened to say that every time he tries to take you up, you tack weight on it. I want to go higher, but I'm not ready to see this 
horrible situation. I'm not ready to accept that just maybe something horrible made me better. I'm not ready to see that maybe this situation that just about destroyed me is also what brought me to the church. I'm just not ready to... got to remember when God takes us up not only will we see things from a higher perspective we will be removed from that situation the good news is that when God takes you up he totally extricates you but know this God is not taking us up for us to go back God is not delivering you so that you might go back. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by going back. You know, Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, surrounded by enemies, and God took him up. And when God took him up, you know what Joseph didn't do? He didn't say, I'm going to go get Potiphar's wife. I'm still preaching good. I'll never forget our, our elder, Bishop Jimmy Shoemake. I remember one time we were having a minister's meeting, and he, uh, we were at the table. And he said, he said I want to ask you gentlemen a question. He said, whatever happened to Potiphar's wife? And I, I just started going through the Rolodex in my mind. I said, you know, I don't know. What did happen to her? He said, who cares? <laughs> you don't go back. You get what I'm saying? When God takes you up, who cares? When God takes you up, who? When God takes you up, you don't go back to try to win the argument. When God takes you up, you don't go back to that Thanksgiving dinner and say, I told you so. When God takes you up, you don't wait until Christmas let everybody know you shouldn't have done that. Who cares? Who cares? What it... Come on, somebody. I'm not. Who cares to what happened? Who cares what happened to Potter's, Potiphar's wife? Who cared about what? Come on, somebody. I know nobody want to hear that. That's not the message nobody want to hear. Somebody want to hear as soon as I can. I'm going back. You better not. As soon as you can, you you better roll with the momentum. If God took you out, keep on running. Keep on running. Don't look back. Don't go back. Don't. Run in the blessing. Run in the grace. Run in the mercy. Run with faith. But don't look back. Somebody help me preach this morning. Come on. I'm not going to preach much longer, but somebody needs to hear this. Come on, for about 10 seconds, give God, I'm not going back hand clap. <laughs> give God, and I'm not going back shout. Give God, and I'm not going back run. Give God.
Jesus did not say, remember that Lot had a wife. He said, remember Lot's wife. You know, Joseph, Joseph had been totally taken out for years. He had the money, the resources, and the means to go back and let all his brothers have it. But that's not what he did. And I don't know when, and I don't know where, but somewhere God gave Joseph the revelation, the higher perspective, the lofty vision that what they meant for evil, God meant for good, and that God saved him and sent him ahead of them that many so... Hey, you know why this Bible message is still alive and well? Because there was a young man that didn't go back. There was a young man who said, I don't care how much. I want revenge. I'm not doing it. I believe that God has brought me here that many souls might be saved. Hallelujah. I believe that God has brought me here. Amen. That I might sustain the very people that betrayed me. I believe God has elevated me so that I might see things from a different level. I believe that God has rescued me and God has kept me that I might keep running this, that I might stay blessed in this, that I might stay sustained. It shocks me, Sister Mayo, that there are probably people under the sound of my voice with a better house than they've ever had, driving a better car than they've ever drove, wearing nicer clothes than you've ever worn. in a better marriage than anybody else in your family, and you're still waiting for the day to let them have it. I'm still speaking English, huh? God, help us. God, help us. When we can't just enjoy the goodness of God. God, help us when we cannot see that maybe God brought me out of this broken family tree so that I might come back and pick up some fruit. So that I might get some nieces and nephews. Maybe I'm just going to... Maybe I'm going to be the one that's going to bring the nieces and nephews to Sunday school from the same uncle that hurt me, from the same aunt that wounded me. From the, oh, come on, no, nobody want to hear that. I'm telling you people. This is good preaching, and I know it's a big pill to swallow, but it's time to take our medicine, and it's time to love Jesus, and it's time to love our enemies, and it's... Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, let's praise him, let's praise him, let's praise him. I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day. He's a, well, he's a therapist. He's, a, he's, a, he's actually a clinical psychologist. But we were talking about a particular brand of psychology. We were talking about Skinner. And, uh, and I, I had got into this discussion. He said, you know, one of, one of the things you need to remember is never do something that a dead man can do. He said, if you want to improve your behavior, just remember this. 
Never do something that a dead man can do. Dead men can't forgive. Don't do what dead men can do. Only living people can forgive. With a little bit of effort. With a little bit of grit. With a little bit of guts. With a little bit of courage. With a whole lot of Jesus. You could do it. But behave like a living person. Don't do it. You know, dead people don't forgive. Dead people don't forget. Dead people can't do any of that stuff. You can do it. And while you're alive, you ought to do it. You ought. I'm almost done. Exodus 19 and 4. The Lord says, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you up or I take you up on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself. God will take us up and he will bring us unto himself. What does that mean? What does that mean? For God to take you to himself. This particular verse, as you can see, is out of the book of Exodus. And God is telling the children of Israel, I didn't just take you out. I, take, I took you out to take you somewhere. And that somewhere was Mount Sinai. I took you out of the wilderness. In fact, God says, I took you out on eagle's wings. And the illusion here is that what God is alluding to here is that of a mother eagle teaching her little eagles how to fly. He said, I took you out to teach you how to fly. And you know how you fly in life? There's some rules. He said, I took you out of Egypt and I brought you to Sinai. And there at Sinai, I gave you commandments. And guess what? Half of them start with the word no. And if you will just do what I tell you not to. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, it's hard to actually be intelligent. That, that, that's actually hard. But it's actually easy to not be stupid. And I'm sorry, I know. Well, the kids are not here, so don't say that word. But you could do great in life if you could just avoid being dumb. Not being dumb is a lot easier than being smart. And besides that, in this world, everybody wants to be known for their accomplishments. But you know what? I want to be known for what I didn't do, too. Because there's a lot of accomplished people that had a lot of adultery. There's a lot of accomplished people that hurt a lot of people. There's a lot of accomplished people that stepped on other people to do their accomplishments. And God wants us not just to be known for what we did. God wants us to be known for what we didn't do. God wants you to be able to say, I climbed the ladder without somebody else's wife. I climbed the ladder without selling out my integrity. I got a good job and I took care of my kids. I got a good job and I didn't leave my husband. I did it right. My my kids went through college and didn't backslide. I got, come on, 
somebody. Because there was just some things in our house we did not do. There was just some things in our life we did not do. We recognized that God brought us out on eagle's wings. God showed us how to fly, how to fly through college, how to fly through a career, how to fly through cancer, how to fly through diabetes, how to fly through arthritis, how to fly through good times and bad times, how to fly out of Section 8, how to fly out of WIC, how to fly out of welfare, how to fly into a new job. How to fly. Come on, somebody. Help me preach. Don't leave me up here by myself. God doesn't take you out. He just say, figure it out. No, 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 no. He says, take it out. I'm going to take you up. I want you to come here. I want us to talk about what it's going to take to secure your survival. You will not lie. Big breath. Well, she got an amen on that. You will not lie. You know what the Ten Commandments are all about? Knowing your lane. They are the ten stay in your lane. God says, I should not have to, I should not have to make a line around your neighbor's house. It's your neighbor's house. Stay in your lane. I should not have to put a no stealing his wife sign on her back. That is not your lane. Stay in your lane. Let me tell you something. Some people don't realize how phenomenal, how supernatural, how blessed, how graced, how much of a miracle their lane is. And that's why they're always getting out of their lane. Because they can't appreciate what God has done for them. They can't appreciate the lane they've got. Let me tell you something. I don't care. I don't care if your lane's broken up and all kinds of busted asphalt on it. That's still the lane God gave you. And if you would just, if you would just stay in it, you'd be shocked what God can do in your lane. You'd be shocked what God could do with your lane. You'd be shocked. I'm telling you, God will put some, some seal coat on that thing, paint it, work with you on it. Before you know it, it'll be a major freeway. Hallelujah. You got to stay in your lane. You got you to gotta live the life God gave you. Stay with your wife. Stay with your kids. Don't be lying. Don't be cheating. Don't be scamming. Don't be hustling. Stay in your lane. Work with the blessings that God has given you, and you will prosper. You will be blessed. You won't just make it out of Egypt. You'll stay out of Egypt. You just... Oh, can so, oh, somebody help me preach? I'm preaching good right now in case you don't know it. Come on. These things ensure your survival. See, the world thinks if we do that, we won't get ahead. The world thinks I can't make it all these years with one wife.
The world thinks, I got to take what's yours. The world thinks, you got to be more flexible. You got to, there's more than one God. Come on. How narrow-minded is that? You're never going to make it in life with those narrow thoughts. We never stop and think of all the narrow-minded people that have shaped the course of human civilization. Bach played music. He didn't play music and make burgers. He stayed in his lane. Narrow as it was. Nobody trying to hear that. I'm telling you the truth. Isaac Newton did science. He did not do science and bake. He stayed in his lane. He stayed in the narrow parameters. He became something. The rules don't hinder you. The rules don't quench creativity. They allow for creativity. The exacting nature of life and God are not going to slow you down. They're going to help you out. Rules are not a bad word. I got a few mothers right here helping me, but I don't know where the rest of the church went. Huh? Rules is not a bad word. Rules are everywhere. They're in the schoolhouse, the courthouse. Rules are embedded into nature itself. Rules are not a bad thing. We need to quit, we need to quit avoiding the rules. I understand excessive amount of rules can be damaging. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the failure and the folly of living a jellyfish life. No bone, no structure, no frame, just wandering in life's big blue sea. I like the way my good friend Daniel McKillop said it. He said, Jeremiah said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. The fire was shut up in the frame. The fire was shut up in the structure. The fire was shut up in the thing that, in the spine, not in the spineless. You want fire, you want Holy Ghost fire. You want genuine moves of God. You want visitations in the middle of the night. You want prophetic words. You want the windows of heaven. You got to get into the bones of this thing. I said you got to get into the bones of this thing. I said you got to get into the bones of this thing. And you got to teach your kids about the bones. And you got to teach your kids to teach their kids about the bones. And you got to come to church ready to eat some bones. And you got to go out into the world ready to deal with the. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. 
Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Musicians, I want to give the people some hope. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why don't we lift our hands and just pray for a few seconds? Oh, Jesus. 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 I feel something very special moving here right now. I feel like there's some people right now, you're getting some bones. Hallelujah. Downloaded into your frame. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. And when those bones begin to lock, and they begin to fall in place, fire. Hallelujah. Fire. Hallelujah. Come on, let's talk in tongues here just for a second. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you brought a visitor, just put your hand on their shoulder right now and pray with them. Hallelujah. But there's something very special happening here right now. tell you what I'm going to do. And we're, I'm done preaching. There are three people, three kinds of people that are going to come to the altar today. I'm not going to twist nobody's arm. I want you to come of your own volition. But there are three things I really feel strongly. There are the people who God wants to take you up. God just wants to take you up and change your perspective. Group number two, God wants you to quit fantasizing about going back to exact revenge, to straighten things out, and to settle the score. 
And the last group here, believe it or not, there's a, there's a small cluster of people here that you need to accept the bones of this thing. You need to quit fighting with it. You need to quit asking yourself, is this really necessary? Is that really? Well, you know what? I'll do it at church, but at our home, we're not going to do that. You need to go ahead and take the bones. shout about in here and I'm going to consolidate my character you know brother Aaron I spent years in church fighting with the pastor not openly and I spent years in church mad at everybody that followed the rules tip, Brother Prado's done preaching, pro tip, when you come and you lift your hands, the devil is going to try to point out all the people that are playing games to keep you from focusing in on you. So when your hands go up and you hear Carol, and when your hands go up and you hear, well, what about John? You just go ahead and go a little higher and say, what about John? And who cares about Carol? I'm going to let Jesus and Carol work that out. But you ain't going to stop me this time from getting some bones in my life. And you ain't going to stop me this time from getting a little bit of fire. And I don't care what anybody else is doing. I heard what the pastor preached. I'm doing it. I heard what the Bible said. I'm doing it. I heard what the Word said. I'm doing it. I know what he said to me in prayer. I'm obeying. I know what I, I, know what I heard in my head when I wore that and looked in the mirror. I'm obeying the voice of the Lord. Come on, somebody. If you would like to come pray, please come out of your pew and come pray. Hallelujah. Pastor Prado will pray with you. Hallelujah. Come on. God's going to do a work. Come on, just lift your hands and begin to pray right now. Jesus. Jesus. I realize this may not be for everybody. Hallelujah. But if you know God's been talking to you. Hallelujah. Just make your way up here. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.